Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Episode 118, Revelation chapter 9, Real Monsters. Real Monsters. Before we get into the bulk of this chapter, I want to make four comments. They're rather lengthy, but I think they need to be said in order for us to keep the proper context of this chapter and the chapters to come. Number one, the response to the ultimate massive horrifying judgment and wrath of God poured out on the ungodly, rebellious, damned to hellfire humans reveals just how righteous God is in doing what he will do. Keep in mind we are seeing the end from the beginning and God is communicating now to us in these brief moments just how patient, gracious, merciful, and loving he is now to extend his offer and call to salvation through his son Jesus, who took the wrath of God in his body, and how powerful, holy, and forgiving he is to accept Christ's payment for our sin by rising from the dead and overcoming sin in the grave. Number two, you will also notice that with this chapter, we are more than a third of the way through the book, actually almost half the way through the book, and there has been no mention of the man of lawlessness and the rise of Antichrist to power. People have wrongly given too much emphasis to this one component of the Great Tribulation. In doing so, they have incorrectly shifted the attention from the pouring out of God's wrath on the ungodly to the persecution and prosecution of the saints by the Antichrist. The rise of Antichrist to power is a part of the overall outpouring of God's wrath on the ungodly and the purification of God's saints. At the end of this great time of travail, the wicked are finally judged and the saints are redeemed. To place too much emphasis on the brief, historically limited time of suffering of the saints is to miss the major story. God's holiness is openly and publicly manifested, and we win, eternally, forever. Number three, without going down the road of all the Hollywood movies which vividly, graphically depict the different aspects of this and the following chapters, especially the depiction of alien creatures which favor these biblical descriptions, it is clear that Satan, through our visual media, is preparing the minds of humans for what is to come. The response of humans to these hideous, destructive, and some of them killing creatures will blow your mind. You will not be able to comprehend how it can be so. I'll spoil the punchline right up front. Humans' response, demonstrated in this chapter, shows just how horrible man is apart from the restraining power of God at work on the planet now. Number four, finally, as we read this chapter now, You must keep in mind that this is all directed to fallen, wicked, evil, unredeemed. I can't use enough descriptive phrases talking about people that have never been saved, condemned humans, the not saints. I hammer this truth home because so much emphasis has been put on the wrong things that have unnecessarily injected agitation into the lives of the saints and robbed us of our peace and knocked our equilibrium out of kilter. The devices that once had power to kill and end life will be neutralized and rendered powerless in this chapter. Just listen to what happens. And we're picking up in Revelation chapter 9. We're talking about real monsters, real monster number one. We see it unfold in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. 
It's unleashed with the sound of the fifth trumpet. It's woe number one. The fifth trumpet, Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and following. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key from the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft to the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but they were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Verse 7, the appearance of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns was on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions, so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. They had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek his name is Apollyon. The first woe has passed. There are still two more woes to come after this. I'm going to give this stuff to you really almost in bullet form because there is a lot of material here. This is going to be one of those podcasts you're going to want to go back and listen to slowly and read these things and investigate these things for yourselves. But I give them to you in bullet form so that hopefully you can remember them better. And I'm going to start with target and method and result. The target here of real monster number one This hideous demonic locust creature is all godless people. Those who did not have the seal of God on their forehead, it says. The method is the demonic locusts under the rule of the fallen star. The fallen star, of course, is Satan. But the demonic locusts, they arrive from the abyss. Literally, it means the pit of the abyss. The abusos, the home of demons and evil spirits, the world of the dead, the Romans chapter 10 verse 7 says. It's a specific, unique pit the abode of a portion of the demons. The demons can be sent there. You remember in Luke chapter 8, verse 31, where the demons begged by Christ to not be sent into the abyss. The abode of the beast of the Antichrist coming up in Revelation chapter 11, verse 7. The abyss is the place where the devil will be imprisoned. It says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 3. The abyss is the abode of the hideous demonic locusts we see here. Friend, we can't say for sure that this is the Tartarus mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, or Jude 1, 6. But the point is, God has many temporary places that he imprisons demons. For sure, it is not hell. It is not the lake of fire. The second aspect of this method is the demonic locust under the rule of the falling star. The falling star, Jesus' reference to Satan as the fallen star in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Also in the Old Testament, Isaiah 14, verse 12. The term Abaddon Apollyon means the destroyer. The fallen star cannot open the pit apart from God's permission. The scripture refers to Satan and his angels in Matthew 25, verse 41, Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 9. The Bible also says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. The scripture also says in Matthew 9, 34, that Satan is the prince of demons. 
John 12, 31 and 14, 30 says that Satan is the ruler of this world. So these locusts are going to be unleashed and under the command of the fallen star who is Lucifer. Let's look at the demonic locusts for just a moment, the supernatural monsters of God's divine wrath. Their origination, they're held in the abyss. They came out of this thick smoke. Their leader, as we've said, is Abaddon Apollyon, the destroyer, Satan. Their target, people, not plants. Their appearance, think about this, this crown of gold on their head, this face of a human, the hair of a woman, the teeth of a lion, armored chest plates, chest plates of iron. It says that they have ferocious wings and their tails are like stingers, like a scorpion. Their power is torture, not kill. Their tenure is five months. In all of this, we see the supernatural hand of God at work unleashing his wrath finally on the ungodly. It is God who controls the abyss. It is God who restricts the activity of the locusts, both the target and the length of the attack. And it is God who places the restriction on death, where there will be no death. The result, as Charles Ryrie has said, theologian Charles Ryrie, he says it's a torture worse than death. Real monster number two, Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 19. John Walvard said that for the first time in history, all those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will come under demonic possession and affliction. Judgment continues to flow from the golden altar. So monster number two is unleashed with the sounding of the sixth trumpet, which is woe number two. Starting in verse 13 of chapter 9, the sixth trumpet. The sixth angel blew his trumpet. From the four horns of the golden altar that is before God, I heard a voice say to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of the human race. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. This is how I saw the horses and their riders in the vision. They had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of the human race was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur that came from their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, because their tails, which resemble snakes, have heads that inflict injury. Friend, think about the unseen things that exist right here on planet Earth. Do you think for one minute that God is joking and the sixth angel calls for the release of the four angels that are bound at the great river Euphrates? This is not symbolic imagery here. This is reality. So there at the great river Euphrates, there are four angels who have been bound, and they're demonic angels, and they have been kept and who were, it says, were prepared for the hour, day, month, and year. Folks, hour, day, month, year. You're talking about micromanagement specificity. And they were released to kill a third of the human race. That exists right now. God is withholding it. But at this time, when the sixth angel blows his trumpet, they will finally be released for the hour, day, month, and year. And they're going to have their perfect work, and they're going to kill a third of the human race. The target? All godless people. The method, a demonic mounted army. It says in verses 16 and 17, they're 200 million strong. John says, I heard the number of them. And they're led by four special demons. The number, I said, is specific and real. Look at the soldiers. The breastplates represent fire, fiery red, smoke that's dark red, almost black. 
brimstone, sulfurous yellow. The horses, in verse 17, heads like lions, their mouths of fire, smoke and brimstone. It says that over and over in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, 20, and 21. In verse 19, it says that their tails are like serpents. Friend, and you just thought that fire-breathing dragons were a fairy tale. Read in the book of Job, where it talks about that animal that breathes fire. Just because you and I do not see animals today that breathe fire, obviously in the time of Job, they once existed. And in this time of God's pouring out his wrath on the ungodly, they will be unleashed on the earth to kill a third of mankind. And it says that there are three plagues unleashed by these hideous horsemen are fire, smoke, and sulfur, which issues forth from their mouth. The result, chapter 9, verse 18, it says, one-third of the remaining population destroyed. So if you think back with the fourth seal, that one-fourth of the population was destroyed. If the population on the earth at the time equals 100% and you remove 25%, that leaves you, that means a fourth, that leaves you with 75% of the world population. Now, if you take a third of the remaining population away, a third of 75% is 25% of Earth's people. That means for a total destruction so far of half the population of the world. John Walford, the great theologian from Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, Texas, comments, not since Noah has such a substantial proportion of the Earth's population come under God's righteous judgment. Friend, can you imagine the stench of rotting corpses smelled worldwide? I live here in Nashville, where some of the worst death occurred during the American Civil War. The bodies of the killed soldiers had to be buried immediately in order to keep down the spread of disease, the rot, the maggots, and the infestation of insects, and the stench. Real monster number three, Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. And remember, this comes after the aftermath of the unleashing of monsters number one and number two. In verse 20, it said the rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Friend, who's the target? All godless people. Method? Their own hands. Always remember this, my friend. The truth in this chapter is revealed. Man apart from the hand of God at work on this planet and God's restraining power at work through His Holy Spirit, humans are monsters. They are not intrinsically good and kind-hearted. The Bible says that there are none who are good. Psalm 14.3 says, All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Psalm 53 verse 3 says, They have all fallen away. They are all alike depraved. There is none that does good, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Friend, when God says something three times in his Bible, you can take it to the bank. You can count on it. It is an unwavering, unchanging, eternal truth. And look what happens. The rampant idolatry. Hear what it says about the monster human. That what happened after all of this disaster half of the world's population being destroyed. What did man do? What did humankind do? Rampant idolatry, demon worship. They reverenced the demonic monsters. It says that they prostrated themselves before the demons and idols. When it says worship, it means literally to bow down, to bow before. You know, perhaps they have an attitude, if you can't beat them, join them. 
In verse 20, it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot either see or hear or walk. The Bible makes it clear that idolatry is actually demonic worship. And what else? Not only the rampant idolatry, but the monster human is immorality. Revelation 9.21 says, Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their immorality or their thefts. Murders, the word comes from the Greek word phanos. It means to murder or kill, to illegal intentionally take another person's life. The Bible makes it clear at this time it will be rampant. So the first aspect, kill. Sorceries, pharmacon, where we get our word pharmaceuticals from. I've had many podcasts talking about this blight on our nation. And it refers to witchcraft, magic, magic potions. Magic often involving the use of drugs and casting of spells. It's religious activities meant to manipulate and destroy and harm. So destruction, immorality, pornea. It means sexual immorality, fornication, illicit sex, often with the implication of prostitution, sexual sins, and perversions of every kind. Think destroy. Thefts, clematone. It means to take secretly and without permission the property of someone else, to steal. Friend, do these attributes of man after the unleashing of God's massive judgment through these hideous creatures and these cataclysmic world events that they resort back to worshiping the very demons who are doing these things to them and these acts of immorality. And what does it result in? Massive killing, destruction, and theft. Does that sound familiar to you? Doesn't that sound like John chapter 10, verse 10, where it reminds us that Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So friend, the deluge of judgment and the actions of humans will destroy all basic human rights. Think of all the clamoring right now, claiming to be champions of human rights. And yet in their hearts, they're murderers, they're thieves, they're immoral. Think about all the clamoring right now of people shouting justice, people shouting rights, people shouting human rights. And yet in their hearts, the Bible makes it clear that man apart from God is incapable of any such actions, that they're full of idolatry and the worship of demons, and their hearts are full of immorality that steal, kills, and destroy. The result, hardened minds that reject Christ in favor of their own desires. No repentance. Think about it for just a moment. After half the world's population is destroyed, after all of these hideous creatures and these things have been unleashed on humankind, Their result, their action is going to be more rebellion. Friend, mark it down. Man is rebellious by nature and by choice. John 3.19 says that man chooses darkness because he loves it. Man can do nothing to change his ways regardless of how bad the situation gets. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 and 16.25 says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. The only hope for salvation for the monster within is salvation through Jesus Christ. John Walvoord said what is true in that hour, talking about the hour to come, is true in some measure today. For there is no deliverance from the power of Satan, nor from his affliction apart from salvation in Christ and the delivering power of God. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.